Welcome to the Dr. April Jasper Show, relevant conversations for business owners of today. Welcome back, everyone. It's Dr. April Jasper here with Carol Quinn, the CEO of Higher Authority. And by the way, it's spelled higher. I always I always trick people with that. How do you spell higher? H-I-R-E. <laughs> and I wanted you to know that because I know you're searching for her and you won't be able to find her if you spell it the wrong way. So, Carol, we had a great time in part one. We talked about the challenge, the problem. I called it, let's see, what was, was my exact word? The crisis in the world of interviewing and hiring today. And I truly believe it. I know when I go to events, David and I have been blessed to go speak all over the country, just like you, well, you've been all over the world. I saw the map, but uh, we have so much fun, but we ask questions to our audience. And one of the questions we ask is, what is your biggest challenge today in optometry? And always, there's three that we always hear about. One is insurance. That's not something you can help us with. The second one is typically, uh, let's see, it's insurance again. No, it's it's mostly insurance. And then the, the one that really stands up above all the rest is staff. Mm. And so I think it's the problem has, it's so big that people don't even know why they have a problem. And we could start there. I think that <laughs> you kind of have a better clue as to what maybe, because you've trained so many people, but why don't we start there? So if somebody says at a meeting to David and I, uh, my problem is staff, then what should be the next question to them if that was, if that, and that kind of leads them to what our talk is today. Well, and it's a great question, but it's, I think it's a bigger question than, than you almost realize because they can know they have a staffing problem or recruiting problem. I think a lot of people do know hiring is important, but I think they, they assume how they're doing it is fine or like everybody else or good enough or that there's not a more effective way. And they certainly don't see them as being themselves as being ineffective as interviewers or bad at interviewing right so if your interviewing is good enough all right for the most part if it's good enough on a one to five let's say i'm going to judge myself let's say a four all right (laughs) then that can't be the problem for staffing right it has to be something else it's uh the workforce doesn't want to work anymore or everybody just wants to leave jobs for 25 cents more an hour or uh, whatever the reason is, but it's not me as an interviewer. So to say, or for me to say, you need some interviewer training, I don't think people really get that for the first part. They don't understand that problem. Um, And the industry and eye care in the staffing is similar to of challenges that every other industry out there uh, and I was at a, a, a restaurant recently and I was talking with the managers and they showed me their interview guides oh. okay and it was a large pretty large chain a, a large franchise chain and I looked at the interview guides and uh, disappointed uh, yes so what I, when I was talking to the manager, he goes, well, I don't really use the interview guide. Oh, my goodness. Well, which makes sense. It wasn't very good. 
you use it, you're not going to get very good results. So right. that's what happens. Uh, companies will spend uh, either time or money, or they'll go on the internet and somehow yeah. they'll slap together. They find use somebody else's these, you know, inadequate interview guides and interview yeah. questions, and then they kind of find it's not great. And this, guess what they do next? They rely on their gut. Oh yeah, which is what interviewers do when they have nothing else to rely on. Yeah, and that gets you nowhere. I can tell you that from experience. Before I met you, mm-hmm. that was. And then the other thing that I'll tell you, Carol, I've seen happen time and time again is they think that, well, I couldn't figure it out, so I'm going to take somebody else's employee, because maybe that restaurant or that doctor's office, maybe they had it figured out. That person was there for a while. They must be a good employee. Yeah, which is equally disastrous. You're absolutely right, because uh, somebody could have had a bad employee and they didn't have the courage to let them go. And they might even, I've seen that in departments in large companies, to get rid of them, they'll give them a good reference for another department just to move them out. (laughs) So uh, there's a lot of techniques, including gut, that, you know, it's not a reliable indicator of, you know, who is going to go above and, and beyond. So just uh, just yep. like any other skill, you could not be a doctor without learning how to do it and do it right. And interviewing is the exact same thing. There's no exception here. So you need to learn the effective interviewing techniques. All right, so So we're going to get into that. But in case you didn't listen to the first episode, Carol wrote the book Motivation Based Interviewing. That's how she and I met. We actually met through the other one, Customer Rules from Lee Cockrell. And interestingly enough, in this book, he said, you have to talk to Carol if you want to hire the right people. So then I jump into this one, Carol, I start reading it. And I said, you know, Reading it over and over isn't enough. I need to understand the techniques and went to the training and learned more. One of the things you say over and over in the book, in your e-newsletter, and your articles, is this concept of hiring a high performer. So tell us what a high performer is and can you really truly identify one? Yes, you can truly, really, honestly identify high performers repeatedly. So the reason... Uh, we spend time in motivation-based interviewing training in whatever form, the book or the web course or instructor-led course, defining a high performer is because people in different industries have a different idea in their head what or who a high performer is. A high performer accountant might look very different from a bank teller from somebody that you might hire. And usually what they think is it's skill related. And what we do is we move people to a more of a broader generic definition to say it's an ordinary person who is able to achieve above average results. That person who goes above and beyond and does that extra mile, that self-motivated person. So that is the definition of a high performer. It's the top performer that you think of, you know, either currently in your organization or maybe in the past you've hired some people who are high performers. It's that person. So how can you sit across from, let's say, the desk, if it's an in-person interview, and look at a job candidate and go, is that person or is that person not? And then the average performer basically does just enough to get by. They don't do that extra mile. 
So by knowing the, the definition and understanding what makes high performers tick, when you understand how great performance happens and then you take that and roll it over and apply it to the interview process and you know what information to gather and, and how to gather it, you're able to basically do a much better job predicting who will go above and beyond, who will stop at average, and who will be poor performers. If I imagine that back 15 years ago, if I could have even thought it was possible to have that top 20%, and so that's what I read in Stephen Covey's books often. He talks about you've got the split of people typically in a practice or in a business is 20, and then you got the people in the middle, the 40, and then you got the 20 at the top. I want to have all of them be that 20% at the top. Mm -hmm. So how do we do that? How do we do this right? How do we fix this interview process? And take us anywhere you want. Just give us some more information. People are really wanting to hear it now. Well, let me, let me tackle it from more of a, a broad spectrum, spectrum answer. Uh, first is you have to treat every job opening like it's an opportunity to fill it with the best, somebody better than you had before. Okay. So you have to treat that job opening as that opportunity. Uh, if you've missed the mark when it comes to hiring prior, or if you did it wrong in the, in, sometime in the future, you have to spend a reasonable but short amount of time seeing if that person can get up to speed through training or some other way. But if they're not demonstrating the ability to, to go above and beyond, they need to get off the bus. Yep. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Even if you really like the person, you can't keep that marginal, yeah. undependable person around because high performers don't want to work in a company where A, people you know are allowed to get away with it and B, they have to pick up the slack. True. You need that passionate, problem-solving, self-motivated, driven organization because everybody in there is, has that mindset and that energy. Yeah. And they love it. They love working with each other. You yes, can see it. They are inspired by each other. They raise the yeah. bar on each other. So, you know, that's that's a that mindset I know is difficult for some people. You know, they want to um, hire for life. But if you, you know, just like a bad relationship, if it's yeah. wrong, you, you know, you, you, you do have to cut the ties and clean house and you got to do it. So uh, I, I just think the belief that we're going to transform people or better, maybe another way said, we can't take responsibility for another person's motivation because it's not self-motivation then. 
Right. So, and high performers are self-motivated. And we're not doing them any favor. That's the thing I had to come to the realization of is when I keep somebody around who's not performing, is not a high performer in our business, I'm not helping them. They need to go do something different. They need to find a new way. And it's nothing that I'm doing by me keeping them there. I'm actually creating a bigger problem for them as well. Enabler. Yes, there you go. (laughs) Uh, The enabler receives the consequences, by the way. What you're doing is you're taking away the consequences from them. And I hate to say it, I don't want to sound cold, but when somebody loses a job, and it may not take the first job or second job, but it could be in a, a cumulative effect, those consequences may be what actually wakes up the person to right. say, I don't want these experiences anymore. So you are doing them a favor. All right. So once you have that mindset, but really it is about, you know, being able to identify a high performer. Let me talk about a little bit more detail about the high performer. All high performers have three components in common. Okay? They have the skill to do the job, which is what we know as interviewers, we hire for skill, is they have this type of attitude. And I'll jump back to this in just a moment, but the third one is passion. They love the type of work that they're doing. But let me go back to attitude. Attitude is an interesting one, and it's my favorite one. You're not going to change anybody else's attitude. So after the hire, so the attitude you hire is the attitude that you get how a person responds to obstacles, to difficulties, to challenges, to things they don't know how to overcome and and get good results. Now, here's the thing that's important to know. There is no job that is obstacle-free. Even a fast food drive-through cashier entry level could have a million different obstacles from food being out, order being wrong, to short staff, to uh, you gave me the wrong change, to bad management, to whatever. So obstacles exist where in every, in every job. Yep. So an attitude of the high performer looks at that obstacle and goes, I wonder how I'm going to conquer this. I'm sure I can figure it out. Let's find a way. I love it. Okay. And that attitude is very powerful when it comes to hiring. Okay, so you talked about skill, and I'm so relieved that you told me that I don't have to make that my primary goal. Attitude, and uh, I'm going to recap. So Carol just told us, you get the attitude you get. So the one you hire is the attitude you keep. And then passion. So how do you know if somebody's passionate about the job? Well, it's not something you just look at because... People could come in and fake excitement for the interview and be on their best behavior. Uh, I recommend that people learn motivation-based interviewing because even if I give you a few pointers, I'm not going to be able to give you all of the information. So I, I don't want you to make mistakes in knowing just a piece. But think about what somebody entering college and they don't know what they want to do for a major and they go to a career counselor. And the career counselor doesn't have the answer, but can help them figure out the right major for them. So interviewers have the power to look at a a candidate with some interview questions and know and uh, discover, learn what they're most motivated or most passionate to do and then see if it's right for the job. Wow. So in this whole process what's the first step a person should take so let's say someone's listened to us today carol 
And they've said, you know, I, I cannot believe this is even a thing. I can't believe there's a way that I could consistently hire high performers every single time. I know that the book has been amazing. I was, my suggestion would be to them to start with a book, go to your website and read more about it. But what else should they be thinking about? But a lot of people also need to learn through practice and experience. So if they want to take it to the next level, there is an online course, on-demand, self-paced. Uh, it takes a little over four hours, a lot of practice exercises in there. Um, and there's an option also, there's instructor-led courses. Most of them are available virtually via Zoom. They're usually every other month, so you can sign up for them. They're all affordable, so... And who should options. take it? So who should be the one that takes the class? Let's say you're in a practice and the doctor's the owner, but not always the interviewer. So which employees, who should be part of the education here? I, I recommend, first of all, the owner because, yep. you know, they need to understand the process. They also need to champion it. Uh, it just shouldn't be something that's optional. And then everybody involved in the employee selection process. Yep. So you can't have one person who's trained, who knows what to do, along with somebody who goes, well, I just don't like that person, but I can't put my finger on why, right. or I love them, they're great, but they're really not. Yep. Okay, so then I wanted Carol to close with giving us a, maybe a story or two about how this has impacted uh, a group or uh, someone that's gone through the training. And I told her I wanted to start with me. And so I love this idea, this process, this, this whole thing. So I think I went, let me go back, Carol, and look at my notes. October of 2014 is when David and I went through the training. And I didn't doubt it for a minute. I knew, I knew after the research I'd done, we, I was in a good place. And I found, just like you said, that it was very easy to go through those interview questions. I helped to adapt some that were perfect for my industry. And as people would come in, I was very consistent about asking the same questions as we had them written out every single time. And it's incredible how you would find that someone that I thought was going to be my gut would have mm -hmm. been a thumbs up was not. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it saved me from so many mistakes, so many mess ups. And I truly do believe now David and I travel and speak all over the country we love meeting up with colleagues and I can travel and know that the office <laughs> is going to be okay. So I love that you used that example as well. So now let me throw it back at you. Another example, is there anyone that comes to mind that you can tell us about where this has transformed their business and their interviewing process? You know, I've been doing this for a lot of years and I, I, I'm not sure if there is one because it's story after story yeah. and yeah. kind of what you said probably one of the most common things i hear is the candidate that they would have like been attracted to or their feeling whatever that they would have hired in the past now they're able to get information about that candidate and and predict future performance which is what an interview is all about predicting future performance and yeah. being right and they had enough experience of saying, I want to hire that one, and that one didn't turn out so good. And they said, we also miss the mark and turn away people who would be high performers because maybe our gut or bells and whistles didn't go off. But inside that candidate was that person who was going to be a great hire who would go above and beyond. 
And, and so it does change your ability to understand what makes people tick, who yes. will go above and beyond, and to see that in the interviewing process before you make your hiring decision <laughs> and really to make your hiring decision. So that's what I consistently hear again and again. I just know that once you start using motivation-based interviewing and you get the thrill of the power yep. that it gives you, you don't go back. That's true. Why would you when you figure it out? And uh, thankfully, I didn't figure it out. You did. And we have the tools and the resources to help us. So if there's one thing I will tell all of you listening is you need to go through this process. Read the book. I agree, Carol. Many people will read the book and they'll be they'll be good. They'll get it. They'll understand. But she has so many resources. And she was doing this before it became a thing to have recorded resources. So and I love the very first one you did was one recorded at the Disney Institute. So that was really fun to watch as well. But anyway, thank you, Carol, for being here with me. It has been a pleasure. I know people are going to be so thrilled to uh, have heard all the things that you've shared. And I think that I've convinced Carol to come back. What do you think? I would love to. Thank you for being here. Thank you. If you suffer from dry, scratchy, irritated eyes, the problem may actually stem from your eyelids. Cleansing eyelids daily is essential for maintaining healthy eyes which is why doctors recommend OcuSoft Lid Scrub Allergy Eyelid Cleanser. New OcuSoft Lid Scrub Allergy removes oil, pollen, and other contaminants from your eyelids to effectively reduce redness, irritation, and itching caused by seasonal allergies. These pre-moistened wipes are easy to use, on the go, or at home. Simply wipe and leave on. As the industry standard of care, OcuSoft has a full line of eyelid cleansers for various conditions. Available through eye care professionals, most retail outlets, and Amazon.com. Visit OcuSoft.com for more details. <laughs>